In the hunt. OU is back in the hunt for another five-star defensive lineman announcing Friday at 3.30. Recruiting momentum is one heck of a thing, is it not, Parker Thune? Ooh, boy. Did this start turning last night uh, in OU's favor, or or what? Because we talked 24 hours ago about Texas being the leader Okay, it's turning. Is it turning in OU's favor? I don't know if I would go that far It's at least trending in the right direction. Yes, yes. The trend is certainly in a positive direction for Oklahoma with Dominic McKinley, the elite defensive lineman out of Lafayette, Louisiana. But... In the hunt. As we've That's seen where they time are. and again this cycle in the hunt. with elite defensive linemen, things can change a lot in the last three days. Well, this is another example of five-star defensive line recruiting, right? 24 hours ago, you and I are both saying, yeah, it kind of feels like uh, Texas is the leader here. And that's, I mean, that's, I still think the majority, if not all the predictions in right now are for Texas. But 24 hours ago, that feel was very real. And I heard you say with Steely that you heard it could be more of OU A&M than it is OU in Texas. And LSU, dude, I, I mean, I don't know if you ever want to throw LSU clearly out of the picture for a five-star Louisiana kid, but I, I heard Wilt Fong today, he, and I think this was recorded yesterday, he was talking more about Texas and Ohio State and kind of just mentioning OU, but there's not a whole lot of mention of LSU here. There's not a whole lot of mention of LSU for no, Dominic like, McKinley. Is LSU running fifth? Maybe. I think I might say, based on the sum of all of the intel right now, LSU might be running fifth for Dominic McKinley. Which is crazy, crazy to think about. But Friday at 3.30, Dominic McKinley is going to make a decision, and it sounds like OU has a, has a chance here to land its second five-star defensive lineman in the span of six days. Look, we were excited yesterday. You read the text line. I read the text line. Everyone is as happy about OU football recruiting as they've been in a while. And I'm not saying that Dominic McKinley as a prospect is better than David Stone. But if you were to land your second five-star defensive lineman prospect in just six days, I can't imagine what the excitement is going to feel like Friday afternoon if OU finds a way to pull this off. I mean, it'll, it'll be incredible, man. You know, uh, Todd Bates haters out there uh, had to sit down over the weekend. They'll really have to take a seat if he's able to pull this Well, one and off. that's that's the biggest thing about this whole deal is, like, you can no longer explain away Todd Bates' excellence as a recruiter if Dominic McKinley ends up in Oklahoma sooner. There's no other excuse that can be made for how Dominic McKinley ends up at Oklahoma. Because if you want to play the, okay, hometown hero type of narrative with David Stone, oh, you know, of course Todd Bates got David Stone. He was always going to get David Stone. He'd have to have tried not to get David Stone. Okay, you know what, there's there's not a lot of truth to that, but we'll give you that one for a second. Even if that is the case, you cannot do anything but stand on your feet and give a massive round of applause Seriously. to Todd Bates and the work that he has been able to do if he pulls Dominic McKinley from the state of Louisiana. K-Dub in the 918, unless Teddy says there's a 70% chance McKinley is going to Texas, then I'm not buying he's coming to OU. Yeah, let me work on that today, guys. <laughs> let me get a 70% prediction out of Teddy today for McKinley to go to uh to uh, to go somewhere else so we can all feel better here. You need the jinx. Uh, guy, it's really not that crazy. Brian Kelly is an A-hat. Uh, <laughs> love that. Well, <laughs> true. So, so what no is... No lies detected. What is... 
swinging this. I, I, I got to be careful. I know I got to sure, be careful, yeah. okay? But OU's got some momentum here, okay? That's, that's fair to say, right? OU's really gained some momentum in this recruitment. What's the biggest, re- what's the biggest reason why? Is simply, is it just Todd Bates? Well, um, does mom really like OU? Does David Stone have anything to do with it? Like, what's what's the big reason? What are the reasons why this is trending nicely? Well, you really you 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 just hit all three of the points I was going to bring up, which is Todd Bates. Yes, relationship is great there and has been. They were early to the table in offering McKinley. The David Stone factor and the relationship that those two have not an insignificant piece of the puzzle here. And also, yes, for once you got a mom that likes OU. And wants her kid there. Nice to be in that territory, huh? Yeah, and it, and it feels like she likes um, she likes OU because of kind of what the program represents and, and, and what it's all about. You know, Todd Bates, Brent Venables, we, we know what this program's all about. So it feels like Dominic McKinley's mom's a big fan of that, which is interesting, isn't it, if it's really OU and A&M like you heard last night? Because OU and A&M, how they go about things – Seem very, well, very, very opposite. And that, I think, is where the optimism lies. If you're an Oklahoma fan and you understand the dynamics at play in the McKinley recruitment and the way that he and his family are wired, they're very faith-oriented people, a ton of integrity in the way. It, it, I, in fact, I heard from somebody, and I, I don't know whether this is true or not, but I heard somebody, there was someone that told me in all sincerity, Dominic McKinley's been to more church camps than football camps. Wow. So, again, I don't know if that's true or not, but that sentiment alone should tell you, okay, what Dominic McKinley and his family are motivated by, what moves the needle for them, is much more in line with what Oklahoma is pitching and offering than what a place like Texas A&M is pitching and offering. You want to go to church camp? Hey, we got a couple of church camps down here. We got College Station. Could, yeah, I got oh, 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 uh, Pastor Dindy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. John from Tulsa, getting Dominic McKinley is way bigger than just getting another five-star. If we can land him in LSU's backyard, it shows all the other SEC schools that we have the ability to walk into your backyard and swipe your best players. John, that's a that's a really good text, man, because just yesterday we were, you know, mentioning how this could change the narrative with OU and recruiting elite defensive linemen. Okay, now that you got one, does this change the narrative? And I think the answer to that is yes. But what definitely helps change the narrative, Parker, is if you get the second defensive line prospect, and like John is saying, is it just from the state of Louisiana? But I think Lafayette's like what an hour away from Baton Rouge. It's not. It's not far away from Baton Rouge. Yeah, I mean, well, you're going to the heart of LSU's recruiting territory to go and get a player like that. And honestly, Tyler, I think I would say, especially from an external perspective, getting Stave, or getting David Stone, excuse me, doesn't of its own volition change the narrative because. Especially if you're not an Oklahoma football fan, you're going to look at the fact that the Sooners locked down a five-star defensive lineman and go, okay, well, he's from 20 miles up the road. Of course Oklahoma got that kid, which, again, goes back to the fact that if Oklahoma lands Dominic McKinley, A, you give it up to Todd Bates because that's all you can do, and B, yes, at that point, the narrative has changed Yep. because kids like that typically don't get out of the state of Louisiana, and when they do, Historically, at least in the last few years, they're going to either Alabama or Texas A&M. Seriously, yeah, and, and most of those most of those go in Alabama. And and here's another thing too: we are already starting to see what we were hoping to see with this class for six months now, the David Stone effect. Now, it is not a given, 
and I, really, like emphasizing that, not a given at all that OU gets Dominic McKinley on Friday. But what I mean by that is you're at least seeing OU have some real momentum here, and we just talked about David Stone having an influence on that. So we, we, all, we always thought the moment OU got uh, David Stone, that was going to help out the rest of the class. And at least starting last night, and maybe in the day before that, I don't know, I mean, in the past couple of days, it's helped swing things in, in OU's favor a little bit. So the David Stone effect is is proving to be real. From a texture in the 918, hydrate now until Friday. Beers will be oh the gosh. only beverage on Saturday yeah. if we get a second five-star defensive tackle. And everyone said amen on that one. Everyone said amen. Uh, f- uh, I, I, I got to be careful about reading texts about Jimbo being the church camp counselor <laughs> before I read through it. Yeah. <laughs> that one is not air. That one is not FCC appropriate. Yeah. Rube from the five eight zero says landing five star McKinley Friday night. Sooners pitching a shutout Saturday. Boys, let's go. That's from Rube. Uh, Drew from Flower Mound says since we're talking about recruiting, I will say this: even though he's not coming to OU, Julian Sayan also played on Saturday night. They played Matter Day Catholic, not the Monarchs, and he looked really good. Yeah. Well. That's uh, again. That's a quarterback that Nick Saban went all the way across the country to California for. So yeah, that kid can play. Four oh five. Oklahoma went six and seven. Is competing for top tier defensive line prospects. What happens if we win the conference, let alone a playoff game? You know, Georgia and Alabama are thinking, "Oh bleep." I think Alabama and Georgia are probably going to be fine regardless. But your point still stands, Texter. Six and seven. And we had this conversation, Teddy and I did in the final hour yesterday. It is yet to be proven after a 6-7 and seven year if Brent Venables is an elite head coach, right? I mean, it, the, 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 the records, like the, the, the numbers got to prove yes. this year. Well, the empirical evidence thus far would suggest the contrary, which is to say that like there, there needs to be a turnaround this sure. year. But from a recruiting aspect, what we hoped and what we thought OU was going to get with he and this staff is already proving to be true a little after 18 months, is it not? I mean, what what you're doing with this class, what you did with the previous class, I'd even say with what he did with that first class, even though he had only a couple of months to put it together, this staff is already proving that, yeah, we thought they are who we thought they were when it comes to a recruiting staff. Yes, and again, more credence to the notion that things – under Brent Venables at Oklahoma are on an up-and-up type of trajectory to the point where, yeah, maybe on the heels of a 6-7 and seven season, you have national talking heads, most of them bloviators like Brandon Walker, ooh, talking about ooh, how yeah. Brent Venables is a terrible head coach and he's in over his head. I saw a tweet the other day. I wish I could attribute it to someone. I can't remember who it was that tweeted it, but basically the sum and substance of the tweet was, you're really going to try and tell me that a guy who worked for Bill Snyder in the 90s, Bob Stoops in the 2000s, and Dabo Sweeney in the 2010s doesn't know how to coach? Please. Yeah, well, a couple of those programs had their best years in program history. Kansas State while he was there, Clemson while he was there, and, oh, yeah, OU was pretty good as well when he was there too. Uh, when is Dominic's uh, commitment date, asked a texture in the 580. So it's on Friday at 3.30. Friday at 3.30. I don't know if he's going to go on um, 24. I, I don't know if he's going to do that live. I would I would guess so. I would guess he's going to do more than just drop an edit. But 3.30 on Friday, we're going to find out where five-star Don McKinley's headed. And the five finalists are A&M, Texas, Ohio State, OU, and LSU. And you heard last night from what? Two different individuals 
one from a Texas side, that it's OU and A&M. Yeah. Man. OU A&M. Mm-hmm. Which, again, like, and this is my – I think for me – the biggest thing that I am mindful of right now in the McKinley recruitment, if indeed it comes down on Friday to OU and Texas A&M, which, again, is not a given with five-star defensive linemen. Things can change and turn on their head very, very quickly. But if it is OU and Texas A&M that remain in the best position until Friday, to me, man, the culture thing, the faith-driven nature of the McKinley family – that speaks to a future at Oklahoma more so than a future at Texas. Well, that's A&M. that's kind of what I was about to say. Like out of the other four in the race, if I had to pick who I would want to go, you know, head up against, I'd probably pick I'd probably pick A and M, just because of the, the the real differences that your program has compared to theirs. The recruiting Doomer says, "Hey guys, big OU fan here. Who are we playing this week? Good to hear from you, Doomer. Really excited. He, to hear there's from not you that much Friday, to doom about right now." I know. But I'm glad he's still engaging. I know. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Oh, we got a lot to get to today. We'll talk more Dom McKinley. Rivals has updated their 2025 rankings, and a certain quarterback took a big jump up the rankings. You probably know who that is. But we'll let you know for sure coming up next and a whole lot more. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we're the homeless Sooner fans. Louisiana Rain by Tom Petty. There is a Tom Petty uh, song for everything, and this is more proof of that. <laughs> this show has proved, proved that to me. Uh, ref Army listening nationwide via our free KREF app. Just search KREF in the App Store. Sioux City, Nebraska is tuned in today. There we go. Wait. South, South, Sioux, South City. Sioux City, I was about Nebraska. To say, Sorry. Sioux City is Iowa. South Sioux City, Nebraska. Portland, Maine. White House, Iowa or excuse me, White House, Ohio, Draper, Utah, Clarksville, Tennessee, Edgemore, South Carolina, Huntsville, Alabama, and our Oklahoma small town of the day, Stonewall, Oklahoma. Thank you to everyone that has followed us over to the KREF app. Uh, all right, Rivals has just updated its 2025 rankings. Another Oklahoma small town, Shakota, Oklahoma, Elijah Thomas is the highest ranked in-state prospect for 2025 at 105. Nate Roberts is at 130, and then there's Kevin Sperry up 57 spots all the way up to number 166. And I don't think that he is um, he is he is done uh, raising up uh, rising up spots. Here. Yes, if if I might submit a hot take, my hot take is that Kevin Sperry concludes the 2025 cycle ranked higher than number 166 substantially higher maybe even in the top 100 by the time it's all oh i would say top 50 um okay biggest takeaway here elijah thomas at 105 nate roberts at 130 kevin sperry at 166 tristan haynes um down 11 to 178 cj nixon down 11 to 209 Jaden nickens down 11 to 210 anything stand out no, there really wasn't a ton of movement, all things considered, in that rankings update. Generally, you'll see more uh, variation up and down, more guys rising and falling. Really, when a guy when a guy's ranking changes by anything less than twelve to fifteen spots, it's pretty negligible. And so, yeah, it's notable when you see a guy like Sperry shoot up fifty-seven spots to number one sixty-six. But as far as the guys that Oklahoma's concerned about in the Rivals 250, uh, I I don't know whether there was really anything that 
occurred in the offseason that made me change my opinion of any of those guys. And my my opinion, I think, is commensurate with the rivals' rankings for the most part. So I don't really have much of a uh, much of a hot take on anything beyond Kevin Sperry's ranking. Yeah, uh, Elijah Thomas again, highest rated in state prospect. And we've talked about twenty twenty five in the state of Oklahoma. I think 24-7 had, what, three Oklahoma kids ranked in the top 100? Um, and, and we've said multiple times this could be the best crop of talent that the state has seen in quite some time, and I still think it holds up. I, no top 100 players in the recent rivals rankings, but I think you see at least one of these kids end up in the top 100 in the 2025 class by the time it's all said and done. And Elijah Thomas is not, is not far off whatsoever. Uh, Nate Roberts is at 130, one of the highest-ranked tight ends for 2025. He's going to take some visits this fall. It almost feels, Parker, that should you feel good about OU at this point? Yeah, but it, he, he made a quick decision last time, and it seems like he wants to take some time to maybe make his, his next decision, which is totally understandable. Well, and I mentioned it last week. I'll reiterate it. The Roberts family right now is very pro-OU as far as their younger son is concerned. Obviously, Jake, the older brother, committed to North Texas out of high school at Norman North and transferred this past offseason to Baylor. Uh, Oklahoma briefly recruited Jake, but that relationship was kind of rocky. Uh, apparently, from what I was told, Oklahoma and Joe John Finley offered Jake and then never really prioritized him. So that left a sour taste in yeah. the family's collective mouth there for a while. But things have really flip-flopped in that regard over the last six months or so to the point where they are really all in on OU being the spot for Nate. But at the end of the day, it's Nate's decision. He wants to take a few visits. He acknowledged to me that everything feels right about Oklahoma, and there's a lot of reason for them to be a strong consideration for him. But he's going to do his due diligence and take his time before he finalizes his commitment this time around. 405, what is our 2024 class ranking? It's 7th, correct? Uh, It's 10 on rivals right now. So if you want to say OU has a top 10 class, you can say OU has a top 10 class. Yeah, and I think it's the highest on rivals. I don't think yes. it's higher than... Um, it's 10 on rivals, 11 on 24-7, and 14 on on three. So just say OU has a top 10 class, guys. And they yeah, get, there we go. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. So cool to hear nothing but Sooner news. Love you guys. Just from the 405. Love you too. Thank you. Uh, Camo Sooner, if McKinley likes ranches, then he'll probably commit to Jimbo. A&M would have that in their favor. Jimbo does apparently live on a uh, big-time ranch outside Man, they ought to offer Grant Bricks. Yeah. Maybe they could have made a run. 316, big weekend. The fans need to chant Okoye or Danny between quarters because Danny will be on his official visit this weekend. We get McKinley and Okoye. This defensive line class will be legendary. I feel like Okoye would be a tough one to chant. We want Danny! Heck, I mean, the other guy that's in for an official visit is uh, Daniel Akinkunmi. Can't you, can't you just take a lot of syllables you? there? Akinkunmi. <laughs> Actually, that one does work. That, that one probably works better than Danny Okoye. I like that one. And uh, Fong has put in a prediction for him. Yeah, I, and look, I, so I got to talk to Akinkunmi at length yesterday, uh, shortly after we got off the air. I'm not saying that kid doesn't end up at Oklahoma because I think it's certainly a possibility and it could become a lot more of a possibility after this visit. But I think penciling him into Oklahoma's class is premature right now because this is an international kid 
who knows virtually nothing at face value about the schools that are pursuing him. So he's having to do a lot of his own research, and he's having to form opinions that might not be commensurate with the general public opinion about a particular school. Well, Danny Okoye already did all the research, so he's the perfect (laughs) guy to be on a visit with. Yeah, hey, there you go. But Akinkumi is taking official visits in the month of September, not only with Oklahoma, but with Clemson, Miami, Michigan, and Ole Miss. So he acknowledged to me, look, I'm going to have a tough decision to make. I'm going to have a lot of information to sift through, but I'm going to take my time with this, and I'm going to be intentional about making sure that I consider everything. Uh, thanks for the location shout-out. Been waiting for that for two years. Booma! That's from the 419 state of Ohio. So I'm gles- guessing you were listening in White House, Ohio. Thank you for uh, tuning in today. So, five-star Terry Bussey coming in. Is that a thing? Is that is that happening? I, I, because for over a month now it's been... Uh, Terry Bussey, no, he's really good. Go look at his numbers from last year. They're ridiculous. But it's a it's A and M. It's 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 A and M. So how how are we supposed to feel about Bussy coming in for what an unofficial this week? Yeah, man, he's visiting. I just and yeah, the fact that he's visiting in and of itself is big news. But I still have a hard time convincing myself that this isn't the longest of long shots for OU. For one thing, because they already have five wide receiver commits. So you add a sixth. I'm sorry, you're going to lose somebody. Yeah. You're not going to hang on to six wide receivers in the same class. And also, I, I know that the two big factors for Bussy because of his family situation, and it's not a greed thing, it's more of a necessity thing, but NIL's a big deal, and proximity also matters. He's an East Texas kid who you know has really only ever known that corner of the country, and so... LSU and Texas A&M, for me, have always been the two most likely landing spots for a kid like that. But Emmett Jones, man, like, he's got the Midas touch him. lately. I, you, to a certain extent, you can't doubt him. And so let's, let's see what the returns are coming out of this visit. But the fact that he's coming back to Norman in and of itself, that's, that's news. There's so that's much important. There's so much good to talk about right now with OU football recruiting. Just saying David Stone makes everyone happy right now, and that wasn't always the case. Uh, People are optimistic about Dominic McKinley heading into Friday. I think everyone feels good about Nigel Smith, Danny Okoye, but just bringing up Williams Winery is like the one thing that just kind of makes people say, eh, we'll we'll see what happens. I I bring that up because Drew from Flower Mound says Williams Winery profile pick is with him with OU gloves on. And I pulled it up, and that's exactly right. Yeah, Williams Winery's profile pick is with him and OU gloves. On. I, I read of that how you will. I would be willing to wager that that kid is back in Norman at some point this season. And I don't know when, but I'll bet you he makes it back for at least one game day. Okay. Now, sorry, what? Well, I just, I, I just wonder where we go from here. And, and it's really hard to kind of like, how, how you go about it from this point forward. And what it normally is, and this is what we did with David Hicks last year, is, okay, started hearing some buzz after the A&M commit that maybe OU's not out of this. But what we said at the time was, let's see if he makes it to Norman, all right? If he ends up making it to Norman, if he ends up making a, a, a visit of it, then okay, maybe we think that we have something to talk about here. But he's had OU gear on for two games now. And if he does, if he does make it back to Norman, and I, I'm not trying to get everyone's hopes up on this one. I'm, I'm really not. 
All I'm saying is I'm trying to evaluate this properly here moving forward. And if he's going to wear OU stuff and then come to Norman for a visit, you got to at least bring it up as a potential possibility, I feel like. Right? I mean, is that the right way to go about it? No, it is. It, it certainly And look, look, again, I don't want to belabor the point on Williams and Winery because I know a lot of people are tapped out on that situation right now. But if he comes back to Norman, I, like, I'm sorry, that conversation is going to have to resume in earnest. If it hasn't already. Uh, Cherokee Sooner says, Parker, don't give A&M any ideas. We want bricks. Good point, Cherokee Sooner. I thought it was hilarious because I was reading Nebraska boards earlier this morning just for fun. Because Nebraska is obviously the other school, along with Oklahoma, that is a finalist for Grant Bricks' commitment. Nebraska fans, A, are blissfully unaware that Alabama is out of the picture and that Kansas State has fallen off the radar as well. And they're all like, well, clearly he's just waiting to see who's going to pony up the biggest NIL bag. <laughs> like, if you knew this kid, if you actually knew Grant Bricks, you would know this kid could not give a flying you-know-what about anything NIL related. This is a kid that wants to go <laughs> – I don't even know how to put it, but like – he is the most. He just wants to play ball and work cattle, it, it, huh? That's basically, all he, he just wants to play ball and work cattle. That's all. And he's maybe whip some in. ass along in there as well. Maybe those three things is what he wants to do. Seven one two from the state of Iowa. I'm not saying it. Someone else is saying it. You get Stone and McKinley. I'm willing to bet we get Williams Winery. I, I didn't say it. That was the text line that said it from the I, state of Iowa. I said it in the one o'clock hour. I'll say it again. If Dominic McKinley, by some minor miracle, is a sooner on Friday, it becomes. So hard for Williams and Winery not to flip to Oklahoma. Because the situation, in every respect, Tyler, maybe except for money, maybe with the exception of money, but even so, Oklahoma has a very strong NIL presentation for Williams and Winery. But in basically every other respect, the situation at Oklahoma is so much more attractive than the situation at Missouri that it almost just like, it almost just boils down to logic and reason. Yep. That, that, like, why would you stay committed to Missouri when Oklahoma can offer you what it does? Loco, Ohio, now there's a chant. Terry Bossy! There's just going to be chance for the three uh, big-time prospects in town this weekend. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Text line, here's a question for you throughout the break. We'll get to our opinions and yours as well on the other side. Now that David Stone is a member of this class, what is... What's the strength of this 2024 OU football recruiting class? And I'm talking about a particular position. Do you think it's wide receiver with the numbers that they have? Do you think it's running back with Taylor Tatum there, who had an awesome game last week, by the way? Do you think it's defensive line with David Stone and Jaden Jackson, Wyatt Gilmore? 405-651-3439. We'll get to that more coming up next right here on The Ref. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno is bringing you the sour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Dorsey Jones is family owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. Their low pressure environment creates an enjoyable experience for everyone, and their sales staff is knowledgeable and eager to assist you before and after the buying process. It's Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. Uh, Dom McKinley on Friday, 3.30, five-star defensive lineman out of Louisiana, Braden Platt, four-star linebacker out of the state of Washington on Monday. I believe that's 7.30 Central is when he is going to announce. I see all the Oregon crystal balls and future casts. I don't even think I've seen one OU crystal ball or future cast here. 
Yeah, he's a duck. Pretty. Yeah. And by the way, by the way, want to point this out for those that have accused me of sunshine pumping in the past. Uh oh. I had Braden Platt predicted to Oregon on July 14th, folks. So I'm not always trying to sell you on a kid going to Oklahoma. I wonder if uh, he's already told Oregon, like, "Hey, I'm uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and commit to you guys on Monday." That's 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 going to happen. It's going to be the case. Braden sure, sounds Platt. like it. Braden Platt, 7:30 coming up on Monday. And then it's uh, Nigel Smith on September 8th, who we're, like, we're, we're getting down the stretch here for Nigel Smith. It feels like OU's led for a couple of years now. Who would we even potentially need to worry about down the stretch for Nigel Smith? Ohio I mean, State? I mean, A&M? I mean, I, I, wish, I, I wish for the sake of the argument I could even give you an answer, Tyler, but I really can't. All signs point to Oklahoma. This is one where this this would shock me more than David Hicks, more than Williams, probably more than any recruit I've covered if Nigel Smith went anywhere but Oklahoma. This would be the most shocking because, again, he has been all OU for well over a year at this point. Yeah, he's- I remember toying with the idea of putting in a crystal ball for Nigel Smith in April of 2022. Was that right after Brent's first spring game? That was right before Brent's first spring game. When he was on like, the, the ref uh, live on with us after yeah. the game. And I was like, you know what? A lot can change in a year and a half. I'll hold off. November rolled around. Nothing had really changed. That's the point at which I put in the prediction. But Nigel Smith has been heavily favoring Oklahoma for a long, long, long time. I asked going into the break what the, what the strength is of this 2024 OU class as it sits right now. From the 580 D-line but also extremely excited about Devon Mitchell. Now, I'm going to group edge in with the defensive line. Are you going D-line right now as the strength of this class, or just with the numbers at wide receiver, are you saying that's the best part of this class? Now, you, you could say running I, back as well. I, I was going to say, I was gonna say running back, man. I was going to say running back because several have made mention of it on the text line after watching his film from this past weekend, but I, I think it's an evergreen observation. Xavier Robinson is criminally underrated. Yep. And when you throw him in alongside the best running back in the nation, the top-ranked running back in the nation in Taylor Tatum, and a guy in Andy Bass who's a freakish athlete in his own right, this is a really good running back class for Oklahoma. And I don't want people to look past Bass either because it's easy to just see Tatum or just Tatum and Robinson. But Andy Bass... That guy will make stuff happen at the University of Oklahoma. Taylor Much Tatum, like his ex-high school teammate Gavin Freeman. Tatum throwing a touchdown pass last Friday felt like Friday Night Lights. And he can pass! <laughs> I think he had, what, three total touchdowns in his first game? Two rushing. Oh, is it one, rush, one, one rushing one. And, yeah. and, and threw for one? Yeah, still not, still not a bad day at all. KJ says, then why doesn't he go ahead and commit? Talking about Nigel Smith. Well, he's going to announce yes, on he's, September 8th. He's, he's got, announcing he's got, September 8th. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a date ready to go. Sooner Soldier, have you read all the tweets saying how bad Bear Alexander was in his first USC game? Yeah, I saw a couple highlights circulating on Twitter. That dude, and the, and the motor, the drive, the desire, as it were, was always the hang-up with Bear Alexander, and that's part of the reason why nobody was really all that sad to see him go at Georgia because it had become evident that that was a bugaboo for the kid. At least he still has this nice high-rise apartment, though. Well, yeah, he's got a real nice high-rise apartment, and it sure seems like, at least from the clips that I saw on Twitter, that guy's mailing it in at USC, which 
I, I mean, <laughs> not going to say that's par for the course in the Alex Grinch defense, but you know, if you're a former five-star, as Bear Alexander is, uh, honestly, loafing in Alex Grinch's defense puts you about on par with everybody else. 918 of OU's nine three-star recruits in 2024. How many of those get their four-star? So you're talking about uh, James Nesta, Eugene Brooks, Jaden Jackson, Xavier Robinson, K.J. Daniels, Michael Hawkins, Eli Bowen, Isaiah Autry, Dozy Ezukama. Oh, there's, there's, more than, uh, there's more than nine at least. Maybe you're looking well, on rivals right now. I just had 24-7 pulled up for whatever reason. But out of that are, group that I just mentioned, who do you think? Jaden Jackson gets to four stars? There are only five commits in the 2024 class for Oklahoma that are not regarded as a blue-chip player by any of the recruiting services. So there, there's some disagreement. Like, for instance, Rivals has B.J. Brooks as a four-star, 24-7 and on three don't. Uh, 24-7 has James Nesta as a four-star, Rivals and on three don't. So there's some disagreement between the services. There are only five consensus three-stars in the class. Those guys are Andy Bass, Josh Isosa, Brendan Zerbrug, Kelly Daniels, K.J. Daniels, if you will, and then Dozie as a comma. Everybody else has their fourth star by at least one recruiting service. Yeah, 24-7 has uh, Jaden Jackson as a three-star. Um, Jaden Jackson's going to be a four-star across the board, I have to think, yeah. uh, by the end of this year. Playing at IMG certainly helps, but playing the way that he did on Saturday night – I think uh, I think helps as well. Let me tell you though, if I had to pick one of those five that gets a fourth star, I'm going Dozy as a comma. I think that guy is underrated as it is, and if he has the senior year that I expect him to, his stock's going to rise in to- the eyes of evaluators. Tony G. Jaden Jackson definitely gets his four star. I agree with that. Seven one two, dear Santa Claus, all I want for Christmas is Stone, McKinley, Winery, Smith, and Okoye. Then by far the best group in the class. Yeah, that won't. I mean. There's some other good defensive line classes, but Stone, McKinley, Winery, Smith, and Okoye, that is four, maybe ends up being five top 100 players across your defensive line. That is a class we'd be talking about for a long time around here. Long time. From the 817, are you working on any pregame recruit interviews for Saturday? Uh, what is the? I, I know I'm not on the pregame show on the ref Saturday. Correct. Not here on the ref, at least. We're on from um, 7 to 10 a.m. before the game. 7 to 10. So if Terry Bussey wants to swing by um, and uh, chat it up, I will say, Okoye, you by want, all means. If you want to get to know one of the two official visitors this weekend for Oklahoma, you already got to know the one in Danny Okoye when he stopped yep. in at these very studios awesome after his unofficial visit to Oklahoma earlier this summer. But if you want to get to know Daniel Akinkunmi, I am posting a very in-depth, very detailed, and very fun interview with him to the OU Insider YouTube channel tomorrow morning. Uh, it, it, it was an absolute pleasure getting to talk to that kid for 25, 30 minutes yesterday. He's got a fascinating backstory, obviously coming from overseas, being relatively unfamiliar with the game of football, American football, to him, until just a couple years ago. Uh, his journey throughout this whole recruitment process, I think for many fans – will be pretty eye-opening. Uh, it'll be pretty eye-opening to hear his perspective on it because it's just altogether different from 
the way that all of us experience recruiting and college football. Uh, two more. 770 from the state of Georgia. Want to give a shout-out to my old man driving from Atlanta to Owasso. Go Braves. Yes, indeed, go Braves. Gary from Couch Cafeteria. Glad I took the three-star you sign down at Couch. <laughs> Gary, you didn't really have that. Don't tell me you had three-star you hanging from Couch Cafeteria. Oh, man. All right, 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll hit more OU Cruton coming up next right here on The Ref. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Bob Stoops joins the rush next hour at 320. Be sure to uh, check in for that one. Going to be a lot of fun. Talking to Coach Stoops about game one of the season coming up on Saturday. I I guess kind of a uh, fashion trend that's really in right now must be OU gloves. Uh, Williams-Winary and then Jonah Williams, one of, if not the best safety in 2025, has a photo with uh, OU gloves on. Man, it's... For me, it's fun to watch how quickly that kid's star has risen because I've told this story before, but uh, I, I know Jonah's trainer quite well and have for a while, and I... Ran into him on the sideline at the All-American Combine in San Antonio, which happens the day before the All-American Bowl. And it's really just an exposure type of thing for underclassmen to get evaluators' eyes on them. And he he waves me over and shows me a video on his phone. He's got, he said, I got this kid, man, and he is all that. And he shows me this video, Jonah Williams, uh, jumping a pass, picking it off. Just a really athletic-looking play by a kid that looks way too big to be playing safety that athletically and that quickly. And he goes, yeah, man, he doesn't have a single offer. Doesn't have a single offer, but go over there, check him out. He's wearing his OU gloves today. He's a big OU guy. So we go over, check him out. He's one of the stars of the day. Gets his first offer. I think it was Texas State, literally hours later. And from there, all the big-time offers start rolling in. Oklahoma was one of the first to the table. And now he is a newly anointed five-star in the newest Rivals 250. So it's only been seven months. Heck of a journey, yeah. Yeah, that's that's quite, that's quite seven yeah, months from no offers to a five-star? Well, he's freakish, Man. though. And it, it, it was not hard. It, ne- it, it never is hard to see with kids like that. When they're every bit of six-foot-three like he is and a lean, muscular 200 pounds, it's not that hard to watch a kid move and go, okay, uh, he's going to be really, really, really good. South Dakota Sooner says, coming down to the game from South Dakota, what's the go-to place after the game? Well, glad we you asked. We'll be at uh, O'Connell's for the post-game show. I'll be there. Travis Davidson will be there. So swing on by South Dakota Sooner. We'll uh, we'll be live as soon as the game is over, and we'll have a uh, two-hour post-game show after. Look forward to uh, look forward to seeing you there. Uh, EJ from Louisiana, is there a different feel to Game 1 this year than it was last year? That's an interesting question, EJ. Is there a different feel? Well, you are favored to win by a lot of points in an 11 a.m. game like last year. So I kind of feel like the excitement and the feel is very similar to what it was a year ago. And a lot of new faces again. Am I a downer if I say there's less excitement surrounding week one this year than there was last year? Because last year was Brent Venable's first game as a head coach. So there was that storyline, right? And there was the new quarterback. And so there was a sense of anticipation over the novelty of the whole ordeal. 
that's not really there this time around. It's just like, okay, well, Arkansas State's coming to town. I just want to see it last year. I just want to see it for myself, what it looks like. Just want to see what it looks like. Lindsey says, would love to hear about how Tatum played. Thanks for all that you do. 18 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Threw a 31-yard touchdown pass as well. So, yeah, that was Taylor Tatum last Thursday. It's not the last time this year that it's going to be Monday or Tuesday, and we're going to say, "Hey, did you did you see what Taylor Tatum did on Friday night? Nah. Did you did you did you guys see what his numbers were? They they were they were pretty incredible." Four oh five. Andy Bass was almost the biggest Heritage Hall miss since Wes Welker. Shoot, Gavin Freeman was almost the biggest Heritage Hall Air miss Force, since Texas Wes Tech. Third time was the charm on that one. Air Force, Texas Tech, then OU. And Tech really had to screw that one up. They really the did, man. Like, and Emmett Jones providing some clarity on how that all went down, I thought was very helpful because it shed some light on why Texas Tech parted ways with Gavin Freeman. Because at face value, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Thankfully for Emmett Jones, it worked out in the end because he ended up coaching Gavin Freeman anyway. We have about a minute left. What did you make of Brent saying today early in the press conference that, yeah, I was involved with the defense last year. I was, but... I'm going to be even more involved this year because I know how I got to this point as a defensive mind, so I'm going to be even more a part of things defensively. I thought that was very interesting Well, today. as a wise man once said, the more you F around, the more you're going to find out. Mm. And <laughs> feel as though that's how Brent Venables sees what happened in 2022. He's going, okay, gloves off. I'm going to get down and dirty with the defense this year. We'll sign off with this, just talking about tech, messing it up for Gavin Freeman. Our tech buddy Aaron and Lubbock just says pain, dot, dot, dots. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref.